Dice. <risa> Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is a 1973 made-for-TV horror movie directed by John Newland and originally broadcast on ABC. With a mostly positive reception on its release, the movie was shown many times on TV, and one of those showings caught the eye of a young Guillermo del Toro, who has said that the film had a strong influence on him. He is quoted as saying, It was something close to my heart for a very long time. We thought the movie was the most terrifying on earth. In 2011, Del Toro produced and co-wrote a remake of the movie directed by Troy Nixie, a comic book artist. While both movies feature somewhat similar monsters, they differ in some interesting ways. So let's talk Little Critters. (laughs) What's up? I'm your Little Critter host, Cameron. Yep, and I'm your little scuttling guy, Kai. Welcome to Creature Tiny. Your yep. your number littlest, one podcast for for the littlest critters, the little tiny claws and gnawing little teeth, mm-hmm. and um, bald raisin heads and bald raisins. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to start off by the, because after consuming both source materials, which I'm I'm sure all of you did since we told you guys that you can. <laughs> that was your um, homework. That was your homework. And if you show up to class, you better come prepared, baby, because we're the teachers and we're mean. Yeah, um, we don't we don't take kindly to stoners and slackers in this school. Nope. If we're going to be I'd, out on your ass, Monster Academy, every stoner. That's right. Yeah, I'd 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 throw them out on the street. Yeah, street made of lava. Oh, nice Maybe bong then. there. Oh, Actually, yeah. it's my handgun. Bow. Exactly. Oh, you like to burn your weed? Well, I'd like to burn yourself alive. In a pit of, in pit, a pit of lava again. Yeah. Oh, and maybe a bowl of lava will yeah. light you and smoke you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck stoners. All right. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah, so... Um, we're we're going to start off by... we After watching both of these movies, even though they are similar... Um. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about them chronologically. We're going to talk about the 1973 um, "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" first. Yeah. So, without further ado, don't you think the names of the movies are a little uh, they, they're kind of the opposite of what you'd expect, right? You should be afraid of the dark because you should because I think a movie called "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark" might be about a monster that comes out during the day. Yeah, you were specifically you specifically should be afraid of the dark with, the, with yeah, these guys. Yeah, it should be called "Be Afraid of the Dark" or think, "Don't Be Afraid of the Light." Yeah, <laughs> the light is good. The and when night falls, watch out. Um, yeah. So basically, the the overview, if you didn't do your homework, of the 1973 movie is uh, this woman Sally moves into a new house with. Her husband, it's not a new house, it's actually an old house, uh, mm-hmm. and it used to belong to, I think, her grandmother. Um, and grandfather. And g- grandfather. Well, it's actually never confirmed. No, I think it is confirmed. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, that, that little um, area is his is his study. Yeah, I just think it'd be funny to, to start a lore argument about whether or not it's been <laughs> confirmed that the grandfather lived in the house. Yeah. Uh, and she unseals a fireplace that's been, like, bricked up and, and barred out. Oh, and, and, a, and a housekeeper, uh, an old housekeeper yeah, type this, is like, you know, he's all like, don't meddle with things you don't understand. Yeah, he's she. like, don't open that fireplace, too. Um, yeah. And she does it anyway, because she, she's a woman and she is is uh, 
uh, psychically driven to redecorate every room she sets foot in, even if it's a beautiful antique mansion. Um, and she opens up the fireplace and she unknowingly frees a trio of small goblin-like creatures. Now, the, the monsters in the... I guess we'll jump ahead for... The only time we're going to jump ahead here. The monsters in the 2011 movie are called homunculi not in the movie but they call them that in all the behind the scenes stuff but i could not find anything about what these monsters are called in the 1973 so we'll call them homunculi but i Mm -hmm. don't i was trying to find a copy of the screenplay to see if i could figure out what they called them there but they i guess they're they're homunculi just because that's what they're called later but i don't know what they're actually supposed to be called yeah also i will note that i think the fact that they're not referenced but like they don't have a name really in the 1973 thing is um, cool and spooky. Yeah, you know? I, I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I guess let's start with what they look like. They, uh, mm-hmm. they're, well, they're, oh, actually, uh, one more part of the plot, the plot summary is that she, so she unknowingly frees them and they basically stalk her and do mischief and uh, try to ki- eventually try to kill her and nobody else believes her that they exist. So that yeah, that's what they are. Sorry, am I imagining things or? was the description of the movie that they wanted to marry her because that did not happen in either movie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall that. I think you might have wishfully imagined that when you saw those little creatures <laughs> yeah, and how just, beautiful they were. I just really wanted three little men to marry a woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, well, I guess... Yeah, they didn't want to marry her, though. They wanted to... They kind of just wanted to, like, fuck with her in general. And they were mischief makers. Yeah, but sort of, like, not, like silly fun mischief they were kind of like they're trying to freak her out yeah malicious um but yeah they their heads look kind of like prunes yeah they have um, like almondy raisiny heads they kind of it, their heads come up to like a point like it is literally the shape of an almond is how mm-hmm. i would describe their head yeah and then they just have little fluffy humanoid bodies yeah like, their like head they, on their heads too uh lots of like wrinkles lots of vertical wrinkles again kind mm-hmm. of like an almond uh, they look, they look like their heads look kind of like the California raisins a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they got pointed tops of their heads. They got little like frowny dour mouths, um, and they kind of like look like men. they look like they look like Peter Cushing, um, and in I don't uh, know Peter Star Cushing. Wars. You'll know if you Google P- Peter Cushing Star Wars, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about, and hopefully you'll agree that they look um, exactly like him. But yeah, their heads are completely bald, also. And then so that I feel like that. And then oh, their, bodies their faces are all look exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's like they're that little... face swapped, flopped onto an almond. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's it's mapped onto the the shape of an almond. Um, mm-hmm. They got little like like raccoon hands. Like they have mm-hmm. like little sharp fingernails and little little uh, little creepy hands. Uh, and they're very they're very small. Um, so I would say maybe like so the thing I would say they're supposed to be maybe like four to six inches tall, but because they portray them in this movie with like trick photography, the size that they are like completely changes changes. Like at one point, there's one that's as tall as like a garbage, like an outside metal garbage can, but then there's another part where they like pick up a a straight razor like it's a giant spear. So yeah. It's hard to say, and I, that could be part of it too. They could change that's, size. That's another they read feel of like it. they could. In the in the compare section of what we're going to talk about, these things, I'll, I'll bring this up again, but I feel like they don't even have a name. I think th- what their intentions are and what they're capable of is supposed to be left a little bit unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also like, so they don't like the light. 
And every time someone turns on a light, they go, ah, and like try to scuttle away. But I I also like they'll scuttle, scuttle like behind something and then she'll open the whatever they were behind and they're just like gone. So I think that they're kind of like they're definitely they're, like ethereal. Yeah, they're 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 kind they have a physical form, but they also are yeah, they're kind of they're tricksy and magical a little bit. Yeah. They're also another thing that I noticed that happens in the movie is whenever they show up or not whenever, but a lot of times when they show up, they're kind of preceded by just this soft green glowing light which also feels very like ethereal and and ghostly totally. and, and totally lends to them being like you know, maybe figments of the imagination, who can say? Yeah, uh, another thing they do a, a lot that that kind of puts them that kind of also makes them very feel very imaginary and and ghostly is they love to whisper. They love to go like Sally, 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 Sally. We guess and they say they Sally. say like don't hurt her, not yet, but I want to. I want to get her. Lots of they, stuff like that. Also they they I think they have kind of like a little bit of a hive mind thing going on cuz they all kind of like when they're talking to each other it all just kind of feels like disjointed like wants you know, like mm-hmm. they all have the same end goal, but it's just like, yes, we get home soon. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Like, I also, you know. I love when a monster's goal is just is laid out that is, that clearly to get her. That yeah, is, that's we're gonna what they get her. Want. We want to get her, <laughs> and and uh, it's not really clear what to get her. You kind of assume that they want to kill her or attack her. Uh, and then at the end, you find out that actually their goal is is more. Uh, I would say a little more interesting than that, I'd and say weird. A little more interesting and weird than that. Yeah. So basically, um, at the end of this movie, uh, they they get her. Um, they pull her into the fireplace, which is where they live, where they lurk, and they turn her into one of them. And the movie ends with them being like we have to go get someone else let's get someone else and then she says no we have all the time in the world all the time to set us free to set us free on the world so i i had i'm not i didn't do a ton of research into reading in on this but i had a feeling that those little homunculi that wanted to get her get her were um potentially like in some way sp- like cursed spirits of her relatives because at, in the beginning um the 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 creepy housekeeper guy like doesn't like the vibes of the room and she's just like makes a comment about how he doesn't like the vibes of her like essentially her relatives being mm-hmm. there in a sense and i i got the feeling that it was sort of potentially implied that these were like spirits of her family and the reason they were specifically seeking Sally is because she was next in line. Yeah, I think it's definitely strongly implied that uh that that yeah, that her family members are in their ranks or whatever. Um because uh they talk about people previously being pulled into the fireplace. Um but I like I didn't even think about that that that's why they're targeting her specifically. I kind of thought it was like Oh, it was because she was the one who opened it, but I guess that doesn't really make all that much sense, and it would make a lot more sense for them to be after her because they know her. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, to them, it's like a reunion story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all in all, I mean, this movie is has, is very, uh, it's very Lovecraftian. There's a really strong mm-hmm. Lovecraft vibe to it, I would say. I think that the kind of, uh, the prevailing, like, cultural 
perception of Lovecraft is like, oh, big octopus monsters. But I think that um, what the theme that is much more strong in his stuff that kind of goes less, that kind of goes understated is like, you know, family mysteries and, and hidden hidden histories and stuff. That's mm-hmm. a cool rhyme. But like, you know, people buying an, an old gothic mansion and discovering a dark secret. And obviously that's around long before Lovecraft uh, in horror lit and stuff. But um, this specifically does have a very, a very strong Lovecraft feel to me with like, you know, things running around in the walls. And, and I will actually, I, I'll talk more about the Lovecraft stuff with the other movie too, because, because Del Toro makes it a lot more explicit, um, explicitly like a Lovecraft riff. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, thing that we mentioned only very briefly, it's kind of the main thing of these monsters is that they are they hate the light. They're either afraid of the light or it hurts them. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that's like their main like ability uh is their weakness, <laughs> I guess. Um Yeah. They they have a, a no- I I like that their abilities are kind of unknown. Yeah, no, I, I like them a lot. They threw a total red herring at at both of our our asses. At at the end, she's like getting dragged into the furnace, and she has a little like camera with a flash, and she's using it to like, um, you know, the the flash hurts them. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I sort of thought that even if she got got that like it, the the fact that there was a camera left behind with pictures of them was going to be some sort of concluding plot point but it isn't they like that that, yeah i think that's cool yeah i think that's just sort of meant to be like a yeah like an implied like you know a little a little zinger for the end that's very understated and and doesn't i don't know it it is i did when when she started using the camera to fend them off i did think like oh that's super cool like that's a that's a very yeah that's a very fun way to fight a monster that that is hurt by light Something else about them being being hurt by light, and I guess also just about them in general, is I think that uh, a fireplace is a really cool place for a monster to live, but um, I think it's a really weird place for a monster that is afraid of light to live, because it's where you put fire. Yeah, totally. Also, <laughs> how deep was it? Um, I, they didn't really show the extent of it, uh, like they did in, um, in dealt in the remake, but they, there is a line where they talk about like an old man getting pulled down through the hole. So, you know, I, I mean, I think there's something supernatural going on with the space in the fireplace, I would say. That's, that's a cool thought that like, they're somehow like warping what that space even is. Yeah, totally. I feel like I feel like again. There's another com- remake comparison thing where in the remake they kind of have a bottomless pit under the fireplace, but it's a very visually bottomless pit. Like it's mm-hmm. like you see it and it's like, oh, it's really deep. There's a giant cave. There's a that's big huge. hole. It's a mm-hmm. giant hole that goes really, really deep. And in this one, they imply that it's bottomless by not showing at all how deep it is, which I think is almost creepier and cooler. They um, ha- they had me. a lot of uh, addition by omission in in this movie. I think. Definitely. Um, um, sh- should we start talking about the 2011, or do you have any more 1973 thoughts? Uh, they like to steal napkins. Yeah, they did that in both. Yeah. Now we can move to the to the the 2011 version. 
Um, so yeah, this is, I mean, it, even though this is directed by, by Troy Nixie, this is very clearly a del Toro passion project. Uh, mm-hmm. this almost, this almost feels like, like the amount of stuff that we, that like, you know, is, is, are his things that are in this kind of feels like this is like an, a movie where he's trying to figure out what he wants to make him in a movie almost. Um, totally. but it's crazy that it came out in 2011. It feels like based on his stuff, it feels like it would have come out a lot earlier because it doesn't, you know, not to critique the movie, but it doesn't really feel like as well formed as not that he's always the best at making well-formed movies uh but this feels particularly not not super focused Um, no i you know honestly i i guess we can give our ratings at the end obviously but i think that this is both a weaker movie and a weaker monster like and i don't think i'm being biased based on the movie being worst i think it's like and also it's a physically weaker monster i think like yeah. I think that I think that I think that the ones from 1973 are like some spirit shit. Um, you know. Also, I, I wanted one more note on the 1973 thing. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone has read One uh, Q84 by a guy, um, <laughs> it's 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 a really surreal book, and the entire time, like, there's a lot of stuff that just like. You can't tell if it's really happening or if it's from another dimension or if it's a dream or whatever. And there's always like these little people that are just spiritual entities that come out and talk in unison. And like the first the first time that they come out, they just like there's a little girl like stuck in a barn with a dead goat as punishment for neglecting the goat. Um, and like a day or two in like the dead goat's mouth starts to move and it opens and they just like crawl out of it and kind of grow a little bit to still be very small people but like a foot tall as they walk out and then talk in unison and the 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 homunculi from the 1973 movie gave me similar vibes just in the sense that they seem powerful in a way that you can't put your finger on because you really don't know what they want or why or what they're capable of. And they have some kind of like psychic ability to kind of really target one person. Like, I I don't know. They, they, they're kind of, they're like a little spiritual enigma. And I thought that that was really cool. And I wanted to make the connection to one Q84. Oh, do you know what other, uh, what else also I realized another connection I want to make. They remind me a lot of the, uh, of the gremlin from terror at 20,000 feet. The, that really famous twilight zone episode. Um, and they, I'd say they mm-hmm. behave pretty similar to a gremlin too, where they're just yeah. doing nasty mischief. stuff that mischief and, and people don't believe that they're really doing it. Um, but similar, similar vibes, like dark, dark mm-hmm. patches around their eyes, furry, yeah. uh, weird they, looking. I, I'd say very similar vibes. Yeah, definitely. And also just, just trying to fuck shit up, but also trying to freak them out. Like, because yeah. in, in that movie, in, in that Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode, <laughs> Twilight, and that's when Edgar kisses the vampire queen. Um, no, in, in that Twilight Zone episode, um, like, at one point he looks out the window and the, the gremlin on the wing is just, like, smearing its face on the window. Oh, and dude, like that scared me so bad. That when scared I was like, me I really literally had nightmares too. about that scene. It was it so scary. It scared the fucking shit out of me. I yeah. wish I could go back. I wish I could, like, read calibrate my brain to be scared by that again because that was one of the the things that scared me the most and like that f- which is that f- yeah that one fucked with me but it 
in a similar way, the 1973 guys, they, um, guys, the 1973 homunculi, they, um, at one point when she's, when Sally's in the shower, they like realize that they can't kill her yet. So one of them just goes like, scare her, scare yeah. her. <laughs> and like, they don't explain like why they want to do this, but like, because their motives are so alien, it's, it's like fucking freaky. Like, what do yeah, they want? They're really, they're really freaky and creepy. Yeah. Um, uh, oh yeah. yeah but anyway. we should, let's talk about the 2011 and why it's worse. Yeah. Uh, so in let's just start out with the well actually we'll start out, i guess and and outline what the difference in the movie is it's basically a different movie um with like references to the original as uh but in this one they change uh Sally is no longer an adult woman she's now a child and she is a child being sent to live with her dad, with her dad in an old gothic mansion that used to belong to a horror author named um, uh, Emerson Blackwood, which I'll talk about who that's a reference to in a little bit, um, and with and also with her dad's new girlfriend, who and so they basically like split the Sally character into a stepmom and a, and, a child, yeah. and she discovers a secret basement with a fireplace and an ash pit, and she unlocks it, and these little creatures start tormenting her. And it's pretty. It's the same playbook there, but it's a pretty. It's a pretty different movie. Also, um, I will say this is a comment on the movie, but this the secret basement felt way more overstated. That's one thing I didn't like, is it looked like an evil scientist's horror lab. Yeah. And in the original movie, it would just looked like a kind of like funky room. Yeah. Like it definitely it had that vibe though. The original, it had that creepy ass vibe. That's I walk into saying. an old ass room and I and there's a there's a fireplace with bricks in it. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying. It had that <laughs> yeah, vibe. Yeah. It, it caught that vibe in the in the golden the Goldilocks area where it's like Definitely. there's something off yeah, about this not, room, but it's not like it was subtle. spooky vials, pickled rats with three heads, like you know. Yeah, that's again. That's hey. Again, I, it's it's going to be really hard for me to hold my tongue about Guillermo del Toro because I love him, but I feel I think he's made one good movie. Maybe is it two. Pan's Labyrinth. No, I was. It's Pacific Hellboy. Rim. Oh, I think I. I Did think you not he's like, like Pan's he Labyrinth. Makes, uh, Pan's Labyrinth is fine. Uh, I think that he's a really, really good production designer, and he's a he has a great sense of aesthetic. But I don't think he's a very good director. Uh, and I don't. Yeah. Think, yeah. Okay. But anyway, sorry, Guillermo. <laughs> I love Pacific Rim. <laughs> please don't. I like Pan's Labyrinth please don't be mad at me I like Pan's Labyrinth too I just don't I just think like what's cool about Pan's Labyrinth is the creatures and the production design and not it's, really it's con- his his concept design is incredible and also a lot of yeah. that is done by him himself yeah no he knows he, um, he knows he knows how he's there's also a thing where it's like he's kind of the only guy who's doing what he's doing and I mm-hmm. respect him for that a lot. I love I love a guy who's like I want to make a bunch of dark fairy tales and just does a million of those. And okay. you can like that's cool, um, but step it up, pal. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's do a visual description of of the homunculi in this yeah. movie. Um, they are so one huge difference between the original and remake in the original we have a trio of these little demon goblin things mm. and in this one we have innumerable, innumerable. whoa mm. jinx one um, of the five six seven nine ten 
thousands of 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 spindly little uh grayish whitish creatures they they have a similar thing where they have a a bald head and they kind of have like a a matted like mangy looking fur kind of rough on their neck and back um but mostly they're bald i think they have the fur is very thin yeah well yeah they they're they're bald but they have fur on on their necks and backs Mm -hmm. also Um, do you know the falmer from skyrim vaguely um, look them up this second. I think they kind of look like Falmer from Skyrim, but with with eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking or, of eyes, they have blank white eyes that catch the light, a lot like a blind cave creature. Yeah, a lot like a blind cave creature. Similar similar facial features to the to the nineteen seventy three version. Besides the eyes, you know, little frowny mouths, some wrinkles, not as much. Almond or raisin wrinkles is the original. Also, they uh, they they don't have lips, but you they you like they're always snarling, and you can see their teeth, and that's a difference between the nineteen seventy three. Yeah, they also have like kind of like Voldemort bat type noses. Yeah, they um, do. They have like elf elf type ears. Uh, they mm. have body wise, they have knock knees like a like an anime girl, um, and they have kind of like hunchbacks that you can see the their spines through a little bit which i always love that i have to mm-hmm. say that's a that's an easy that's an easy point from me um and same with with prominent shoulder blades that i i, I love that shit in a monster um and they also have kind of like little like droopy flaps of skin uh under their arms um, yeah, and, and almost necks, like, like flying been squirrels like a, yeah. or like like turkeys on their as neck. far as we can see though they can't glide no um and they're probably like like six inches tall ish, mm-hmm. I would say they're consistently small. Yeah, um, um, yeah, also, and they are the, the and them being consistently small is also they are like they are squarely physical. There's nothing. There's nothing ghostly about these creatures at all. That was the distinguishing. Like the go, the only ghostly thing about them, I think, is that they're they seem like they're kind of part of some kind of magical cursey thing, and that they they like need a soul every generation. Um, to feed their ranks, but they also like. I think this was just a detail that someone in the writing room, maybe Guillermo, just thought would be cool and weird. Is he? They they like are obsessed with eating teeth. Yeah, which I do think that is a point to them. That is a cool, gross thing for a little fucker to. They're be tooth fairies with. because yeah. they also they are explicitly fairies, is and the they also this one. explicitly leave a coin for the little girl after she leaves them some teeth. Yeah. So the thing about this, uh, which I don't want to go too much into this because I would hope, because I think they're in the wheel, but Guillermo del Toro has a way better tooth fairy monster that he already had done by the time this came out. In Hellboy 2, he has uh, he has tooth fairies that are way cooler that I'm not going to talk about here because I want to talk about them another time in depth. But especially coming off of that, like making these guys tooth fairies too and then not having any like not it not mattering at all does not does i don't like that um yeah one bit the Guillermo de Toro tooth fairies are so much cooler yeah yeah the they they are they're fucking tight um but yeah they they love to eat teeth and bones that's it mm-hmm. says and bones in the opening credits but that's also never really referenced in the movie uh, they have one of those opening credits where like somebody's writing notes about the monsters in like cursive, and I like if kept pausing to read them. The opening credits felt very dated. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. I was like, oh, okay, it's one of these. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also so for the first time ever, 
uh, through my research, and I think because this is a more recent movie and from uh, a team that is, people care about more, I have some information behind the, the visual design of this these monsters, like what they were thinking when they were designing them and, and how they were inspired and stuff. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go ahead and launch into that. Uh, so Guillermo del Toro basically said that they agreed that they wanted to honor the original design with like a hairy body and a wrinkled face. Um, and he said that it, it was reminiscent of, of quote, one of Lovecraft's most famous stories, dreams in the witch house, which, uh, I have not read, but I, if, if I remember correctly, I think that's about like a rat human hybrid or something. Oh, um, yeah. but Troy Nixie, who's the director of this and also a comic book artist, uh, which is cool that he's a comic book artist and the director because he did a lot of the concept art himself. And also in the movie, there's a lot of art that's and drawings that are from like this, um, this made up horror author, Emerson Blackwood. And those are all just Troy Nixie's drawings. Like he just drew everything. That's uh, awesome for the movie, which is really cool. So he did the designs for these, for these creatures. And he said <laughs> that they were inspired, um, by, uh, naked mole rats, which I think really comes through in a really fun way, and also uh, by inhabitants of a facility for the criminally insane. Um, what does that mean? I, it just means I guess he, he. I think he watched a documentary about an asylum and and oh, like, so he just made little naked mole rat crazy people. Yeah, basically. Um, uh, also, and, and, one thing. Oh, go ahead. Um, another. Another guy who worked on the the design of the the creatures, uh, Keith Thompson. I have a I have a quote a, a quote from him about about kind of developing the design, and it says, "I started completely from my own end with a series of creatures that were very fanciful and fairy like, though with an extremely demented bent. They had wings, some wilted, some fully functional, and wore bits of clothing and accessories." Guillermo's big concerns with anything in that approach was that he didn't think the viewers should imagine them having some type of Smurf village down below where they all hang out. After that, my approaches started to home in on the look a bit more, with varying types being a bit too alien or demented. I think he hit the nail on the head, although I would have been more excited to see the more alien and demented versions. Definitely. Um, but I, I another thing that I was going to say just um, when... Uh, Earlier, you were saying something about how it, not the naked mole rat thing, but they're also they are really rat like, um, mm-hmm. particularly in how they move and swarm things. Um, and I think that how something moves is definitely part of its design. When like you watch them hoard around something, they move exactly like how rats do, where it's like quick, 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 fast, stop, quick, like you know they like yeah they like. Sp- sputter little movements of little bursts of speed at, at a rate that makes them just look like rats. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a, a good gross touch. Definitely. And something, uh, it's funny you mentioned rats because this remake is actually even more inspired by HP Lovecraft than the original. And this remake was inspired by HP Lovecraft's short story, uh, the Rats in the Walls, which is about a guy who moves into his old ancestral home um, in England. Here's a bunch of rats in the walls and eventually discovers that his family uh, basically maintained an underground city beneath the mansion in a giant cave where they bred human cattle that they uh, they ate to satisfy their desire for human flesh. Um, so, oh, sick. Yeah, they are... They, 
they are they are, they do have they do have something to do with rats here, uh, and also that's another thing we did. So basically, the lore of these of the homunculi in, the, in this remake is that they live in it like there's kind of there's basically a the fire the fireplace in this is an ash pit and it's like a quote like gateway to the nether world or something mm-hmm. uh but not like it doesn't look like a port like it's just a giant hole but it supposedly just goes down forever and there are a bunch of fairies that live down there and they come up every once in a while to take a to feed or take a human and down to replenish their ranks or whatever Mm-hmm. Um, so similar themes there in terms of an underground city where they eat human flesh. Uh, yeah. Also, um, these ones are particularly covetous of of child. Like, I think children's teeth are like a delicacy to them or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, get it. I really wish they did more with the teeth stuff. Like, I was really pining for a, a scene of them, like, ripping out people's teeth. Like, there's a lot of stuff where they, like, knock people over and stuff. Um it's like just pull out their teeth. That's so cool. That's so creepy. Instead, the they just say cool that they want thing, teeth, and they never they never do anything with teeth. They did one cool teeth thing where they, uh, in the beginning, when they're still kind of teasing the monster a little bit more, they uh, she the girl drops Sally. She drops a Barbie doll, um, and when under under her bed, and she's looking for it, but she's also kind of like looking for the little creatures that are talking to her, and. Uh, the camera eventually pans to it, and the homunculi have just like bitten off the Barbie's like mouth. Yeah, going yeah, for that her is teeth. very fun. Th- I thought that was cool. Yeah, I just wish there had been. I just wish teeth had been more of a thing. Yeah, this. totally. If you're gonna it, make it, them tooth fairies, go whole hog. Like, just do it. Yeah, um, they're kind of. They feel kind of like uh, like it's like it's not. It's not fully realized. You know what I mean. I think that as a as a movie and also as a monster, it was a little bit directionless. Yeah. Um, another a fun a fun. So they're still hurt by light too. Should mention that's still mm-hmm. the main facet of their their being. But in this case, that kind of really is their only ability. Where in the other one, they had they could kind of like disappear and be creepy mm-hmm. and stuff. These ones are basically they're basically animals um, that they are can afraid talk, of kind light. Of. They can talk. Yeah, one of them goes. We want you. She, yeah, <laughs> she says, "What do you want?" And then one of them goes, "We want you." Ah! He, but also, like, he uh, they like cut to like a, a <laughs> like he's like hiding in the darkness, and she's like, "Ah, what do you want?" But then like he like steps out of the darkness so that you can see him and his weird little freaky face, yeah. and he says, "We want you." Ah! Yeah. And it's just like that. That felt like such a. I don't know. That was such a lame jump scare. It was so dumb, dude. There are a bunch of really lame jump scares in this, um, which is which is not something I feel like we'd usually talk about, but in this, I feel like it affects the monster, where all the jump scares are just the monsters just going, ah! <laughs> like, yeah. they literally just scream and like at the camera, and that's the jump scare. It happens yeah. like three times. It's like, man, shut up. <laughs> I think Stop the- screaming in my face. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know. They, they were too... Uh, corporeal to be I don't know when I was watching this movie the entire time like usually when I watch a horror movie I want to be thinking oh boy I no part of me wants to be in that situation but in this movie I was like I'm like I would love to be there yeah I would shit up I would I would fucking just walk around with a mallet be you know ready to fucking smash them a mallet and a flashlight um and these 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 uh 
these monsters, I think, are, are a very high rating on the E.T. scale, which is how much I would love to put a, my boot in their mouth. And, yeah, and their how much existence. you want to fuck them up. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I actually did want to bring this up when, I, when we were going to do this episode. What do you think would be your, like, say you're kind of getting swarmed by them, but, like, mm-hmm. you're ready? I, I don't know. Like, you, you have, you're wearing shin guards. You got a, you know, you have a flashlight. What, what? What's what's your ideal kill on these? Axe body spray lighter. <laughs> hell yeah. That's very <laughs> solid. I, yeah, because the, yeah. the light will hurt them too. They'll just be like... like Even the ones I'm not hitting will just be catching the, the stray light. Be right away. Perfect. I, I would just want like pretty heavy-duty leather gloves. Yeah. <laughs> just reach down and start ripping them in half. You know, you know what would be really good too? Just a really long rope. That you can just yeah. kind of like swing across the ground, a chain. And it just, they just bunch, yeah, just a chain. They just bunch all up and squash <laughs> against the wall. It's like you just killed like a thousand spiders. You just never yeah. get the stain out of your wall. <laughs> <laughs> I um, one thing there wasn't an, as much of this as I would have wanted, given how like these guys are just like little fuckers, and they're like yeah. one of the each one is not scary because they're. Abilities seem pretty known. It's basically like if a man was a rat and they mm-hmm. want to get you. I mean, like, I I, I, they, I wanted more of this, but they did give us a couple really good little crunches. Where Oh, definitely. Like, there was one where, like, one of them was trying to crawl away with uh, a camera that she was using that had photographic evidence of their existence. And she, like, was pushing a bookshelf and gaining momentum to, like, a wheeled bookshelf. Yeah. <clears throat> and it... Turns around, and goes, bah! and then just gets, gets just crunched, and its arm yeah. falls off. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then tight. at the end of the movie, um, they're like their little leader because I think there was one of them that looked like more like a little old guy. So yeah, do you know the leader is? Uh, so the movie opens with with this this imaginary horror author Emerson Blackwood getting like he he essentially that's him. Like he becomes one of them, and he's their leader. Oh shit! He's the old guy from the beginning of the movie. Um, how, is that implied, or how did you find that out? Yeah, that's that's that's. Uh, I feel like pr- I think it's pretty strongly implied. Um, I miss that, but yeah. um, regardless, he gets fucked. So the yeah, little girl, the little girl, as like one of those like old like 90s or early 2000s really big heavy duty flashlights that have like the handle like mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about but the ones that take big batteries they're not LED flashlights um and she's just crying because she's witnessed her her stepmom who she turned you know eventually decided that she loves um get pulled down there and the the little leader is like walking back at her and she just is while crying on her knees just starts smashing it over yeah. and over again with this plastic brick of a flashlight and it's so sick oh it's so good i have I, to say to the 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 pull down the fireplace was really good it was yep. really nasty they yeah, do they you explain like, that one they have yeah so they have a rope around um uh they have a rope around i think around sally the the kid and they're pulling her and i think uh Kim, the stepmom, somehow I don't remember exactly the mechanics of this, but the rope gets around her. Instead. She like cuts it off, and it like, uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. But they pull the they're pulling the rope like from 
down inside the fireplace and they pull it so hard they pull her she's standing up and she gets like pulled against the fireplace and they pull it again and it like breaks her knee backwards and yeah, then like they just like leg. just pull her entire body down yeah it's really nasty it's really nice um also with the stepmom very very strong homage to the first movie um the movie ends with um, in the same way, essentially, other than instead of Sally joining their ranks this time, it's the stepmom. Um, mm-hmm. But she, you know, it's the same kind of like same dialogue. Oh, we, we want yeah. to be free. We want to be. I, was it like word for word the same or was it just very no, word for, it's very, very similar. Like it was still like we have all the time in the world to to set us free, but it doesn't have the upon the world part, which I which honestly I loved it. And the original ending with to set us free upon the world. Like that, mm-hmm. those things are gonna go out into the entire world. That's so sick. And also the implication, uh, man. I just much bigger fan of the the monsters of the, in the first one. And also, like, like I, I think you know, obviously there's um, there's the fact that it's you know 1973 practical effects on what I would assume is not a very high budget, to be honest. Also, it's insanely fun- low budget. Also shot in two weeks. Yeah, not even not just shot in two weeks. The entire production was two weeks. So insane. That's from final script approval to like to yeah. Just, we have a movie. Yeah. The, um also oh man, I know we're not really supposed to talk about the movies too much, but I just liked that movie. I thought that the writing was good. I, I liked the dialogue yeah. between characters, and I like. I thought that it was like. So, yeah, that's another thing about. The, I think something that's really good about the original um, is that it's very. I think strongly is a metaphor for like you know people don't, and especially in the seventies, people didn't uh, listen to women or like you know a woman would be like, hey, something bad is happening at home, and people would be like. You're crazy. No, it's yeah. not. Um, you and silly I think it's a woman. Really, yeah, it's a strong metaphor for that. And then Guillermo del Toro or you know Troy Nixie or whoever makes this remake, and it's like, okay, we're gonna take the message that people don't believe Listen women, to- and we're gonna it's gonna be people don't believe children. Which is yeah. not really as interesting a thing to say in your movie. Totally, uh, I don't think. And, and also, even the I. Even the relationship between Sally and the original and her husband felt like, you know, they didn't have a lot of FaceTime, but it felt relatively, like, complicated and shades of gray and not just... They they didn't paint the husband as just a fucking asshole or a great fucking husband. He was just, like, I think a well a well-designed character of just a, a some guy, which yeah. is what, what I, I think... I think it's very... I think it was a very successful portrayal of all the humans in that movie. I thought were uh, I don't know. I really liked the 1973. But enough about the movie yeah, me itself. Um, let me let me let me dump some let me dump some shit on you. Okay. Um, ah. About the remake. E- um. So I was talking about how it's clearly even more inspired by H.P. Lovecraft than than the original. Another aspect of that is that it is set in Providence, Rhode Island which is uh, the home of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, and and uh, something else that's interesting about that is you, you may have noticed there are runes above the fireplace, like Viking runes above mm-hmm. the fireplace. I did notice and, that. And they say, be afraid in uh, Elder Futhark, which is one of the oldest runic languages, maybe the oldest, I can't remember. It is a Viking language. And believe it or not, the Vikings actually were in Rhode Island, uh, some historians say, before uh, before even Christopher Columbus no was shit. there. 
Yeah, and they don't people don't agree on that, but there have been like rune stones and stuff found in New England and Rhode Island. So I like the idea that this fireplace has kind of been here since, you know, fucking nine hundred AD or whatever. Like how Pennywise um, they built a sewer around where Pennywise landed, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even more so about this Lovecraft thing is, so another thing about Guillermo del Toro is like, for better or for worse, he wants his movie to tell you exactly what inspired his movie. Um, mm-hmm. so he has a, a ton of references in here to just a bunch of stuff that he likes. And I think it paints a really clear picture of what he's going for here. Um, I, I said earlier that I'd, we'd talk again about Emerson Blackwood, which is the, uh, Mm-hmm. the aging horror writer who or dead horror writer by the time the movie Ooh, uh, they took they took his son they yeah he he is based that is a, a reference i believe to the the horror writer the famous horror writer algernon blackwood who was a super influential horror writer who wrote um a shit ton of ghost stories in the early 20th century and who was a big influence and favorite of hp lovecraft and another author who is actually mentioned specifically by name in this movie is Arthur Macon, uh, who the librarian mentions him in the obligatory research scene. Yeah, um, in like this two movie. minutes of, of, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, where they have all the green lamps uh, and they look mm-hmm. at a microfiche or whatever. But uh, Arthur Macon was a, a Welsh author who was active in like the late 19th, early 20th century. Um, he wrote a bunch of like horror and supernatural uh, stuff, but he he either believe he like he's everything I read said that he believed this like was real, but he also just wrote a bunch of fictional stories about it. So I don't know if he actually believed this stuff or if you're just writing about it or it's what. It's cooler but if he believes it's real. Yeah, he believed he like was the guy who popularized I think this the idea of like fairies. So. Fairies throughout history obviously are like this like supernatural race of like small people little who sprites. do mischief, little sprites. Yeah. yeah, they're like they're like mystical and supernatural and they're like their fairy was even originally like an adjective that meant like enchanted or not mm-hmm. orig- that was like what it was in the middle ages or whatever. So it always is like explicitly like about magic and like mm-hmm. ethereal ghostly stuff. Um and Arthur Macon has this idea that fairies are actually some kind of like uh, primitive race that predated humanity um, that like retreated underground uh, and are like you know a very physical very real uh, kind of uh, primitive race and the idea of like fairy mischief or magic throughout history could have been something that was just obscuring something more alien and and malicious um and I think this quote from one of his, his his short stories, The Novel of the Black Seal, sums it up really well. Just as our remote ancestors called the dreadful beings fair and good precisely because they dreaded them, so they, dread, so they had dressed them up in charming forms, knowing the truth to be the very reverse. So he basically had this idea that like people, people always said that fairies were like cute, beautiful cute little, little princesses nice. with, yeah, totally. with wings because they were terrified of them and they were actually like these horrible alien uh, creatures, uh, not alien in the sense of outer space, but just like strange. Uh, they would like d- sacrifice, they would steal human infants and like, you know, do all this evil stuff. I think as far as physical appearances go, 
the idea of little rat men living in the world that look like foul, like like Gollum got stretched on a stretching rack, but six inches tall, freaks me out less than the idea of um, high magic little people. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, th- I I think that fairies in the more stereotypical sense is a scarier thought than little rat men because little rat men, I don't know. Yeah, I think his his idea was not necessarily little rat men. I think that's maybe more this movie. I think his idea was much more like a kind of like a xenophobic like he's imagining like aboriginal people as coming from inside the earth or whatever. Oh uh, shit. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's, you know, obviously there's 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 racist tinges to it. I don't think it's straight up racist, but uh, you know, it's definitely questionable. Um, at best, but I think there's, so, I think I do, I am a, I am a huge fan of the idea that like there's some kind of primitive race living inside the earth. I think that's a, I don't think it's a necessarily scary or creepy idea, but I think it's really cool and hollow earth type stuff. I will always go to bat for. Um, but anyway, that, that was also like, that was probably an even bigger influence for HP Lovecraft. Like that was, that was his whole shit was like races that I don't, I don't understand are actually some Aliens. kind of crazy alien underground monster. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Del Toro definitely throws both those in there to be like, hey, look, see, this is what I'm doing. Look, see, I'm doing fairies from inside the earth. See, get it? Look, look, look. Get it? Sure. He was, he was washing his hands a little bit. But um, while we're just talking about fairies, which I think, honestly, you can make the argument that both of the, like, both movies essentially showed us different types of strange pixies or sprites or fairies like that is mm-hmm. ultimately kind of what the homunculi in both movies are i think um I, in the the children's book series the spiderwick chronicles the idea of why um all these mythological things exist but we don't see them is more just that like they have tricksy magics that we don't understand mm-hmm. and i think that that is actually the coolest way to have fairies coexist in our world uh, like in a yeah in a story is just that you don't get to know why you yeah. like you know yeah yeah i don't even want to make a val i love i love both of those things i think they're both cool i think that arthur macon's idea of like subterranean race of of primitive uh pre-humans that's um, really cool i think to me that's basically the dark knight version of of fairy that's like the gritty reboot of of fairy totally. lore fairies and i still think that's cool man i i, I think can't, that's that is cool. I, I love that i can't i can't lie um a few more interesting tidbits about the remake that's one thing that i like about the remake that it's like this doesn't affect how it is as a movie at all but it was very fun to, to research because it took me down a lot of really interesting rabbit holes but it was still it still wasn't a good movie um but yeah no and this is this is a maybe a more tenuous questionable reference but there's a cleaning lady in the in the mansion whose name is mrs underhill and um underhill is uh, is the surname the fake surname that that frodo baggins uses at the the prancing pony uh in and brie to avoid detection by the ring wraiths and i think that uh these fairies do also kind of have a have a similar lineage or origin to hobbits and i think that that could be a fun little goofy reference because i know that del toro is also just like me a lord of the rings fan and loves those beautiful little cute hobbits gotta love hobbits 
Yeah. Um, well, hmm. should we? Do you have anything else, or should we? I can tell you ratings? one more cool thing. This okay, one has nothing it. to do with the movie, but is really cool. I want to hear um, it. So here's all that it has to do with the movie: is that in the movie, the librarian, scientist, whoever I don't know, research guy that's in the research scene, tells uh, the stepmom that um, they that there was a truce between the the fairies and Pope Sylvester II in the year 999, which it sounds really futuristic when you say it like that. Yeah, it does. Um, and that, that was the truce where they would stop stealing human lives and instead start exchanging human teeth for silver pieces. And that's like, you know, ostensibly the, the origin of the tooth fairy myth or whatever, which I could get into that, but I feel like we should do an episode on the tooth fairy at some point. Cause that would be mm. cool. Um, yeah, totally. But, Pope Sylvester II, he did not in real life uh, create a pact with fairies, but what he did was actually uh, even more interesting in my opinion. He was uh, a scientist before he was the Pope, and he's credited with the invention of the very first mechanical clock, and he, he, had, a bunch oh, of, he had a bunch of that type of stuff going on, and get this. That he supposedly there were but he was like kind of like this strange figure in legend because he was a scientist and that was like kind of weird to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, people thought that he made a pact with a demon um, to in order to become pope, and that and other people think that he 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 became pope by by winning while playing dice with the devil. And most interestingly, this is the thing that really got me got me. I thought was really cool. Uh, is a a lot of people believed that he had something uh, he built something called a brazen head which is like have you ever heard of a brazen head I had never no, heard of this no it's basically this this legendary uh, mythical automaton which is like a, a a robot head made of bronze that people people in the middle ages um, believed they thought that people who were scholars were wizards. And they thought that the wizards built like giant bronze heads that would be able to answer answer yes or no questions for them. Like it would be a giant like bronze Google. head, and they would ask it a question, and it would be like yes. And they <laughs> thought that Pope <laughs> Sylvester II had it, one of those. They thought that he was a wizard who built a robot in medieval times. Oh, that's so sick! Isn't that so cool? But what but they're describing is essentially I just want, just I want a movie Google. about that instead of a movie about mole rat fairies. Also, honestly, I will say, like, mechanical clock on its face, no pun intended, sounds less exciting than a truce with fairies. But when, you know, when you said more exciting than mechan- than, than a truce with fairies, I was like, try me. But honestly, inventing, <laughs> a, inventing the clock is, uh, like, that's that's some pretty cool shit. You know, that's the... Yeah, I don't know if he invented. I think he just built one. I don't even know. I kind of that part was surface uh, level. I was much more invested in the in the robot stuff. In the robot head, yeah. Also, there is a huge difference between inventing it and building one. I mean, being credited yeah. with inventing the car and being credited with building a car are different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I don't care about that stuff at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just want to. I want to read about about. Oh, also the demon that his, that they said he made a pact with was a female demon named Meridiana, who had appeared after he had been rejected by his earthly love. I hate um, being rejected by my earthly love. I know, and That's, but at least you get a demonic love, a, yeah, <laughs> a hellish love, right after that. Yeah. Um, all right. That's that's all I got. I just wanted. I there there was that, those there was great. a lot of. 
fun stuff going on in the in the background of this one that, that I, I mean I, I think people about. are going to appreciate those fun facts those All were right. some very fun facts let's move to the ratings okay um, um, what do you we, what do you think let's let's divide them let's divide them up by 73 and 11 okay how are we feeling 73 I'm giving those bad boys an eight ooh eight what oh shit um <laughs> I'm gonna give those bad boys an eight peeking out of a house plant during your husband's party um, to scare you out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, with seven, seven dark patches around the eyes like Batman uh, out of 10. Cool. Um, I like these guys a lot. I think that it's easy. I think when I went to watch this movie, like I had to watch, rent it on YouTube and when I searched for it, like one of the the video right after it was the thumbnail was just a picture of the monsters. I had not seen them at all before that, and I saw that and I was like, "Oh!" But then yeah, I watched I was, it and I was like, "Oh no, these guys are sick! Like they're I very was, they're easy to look at and dismiss as goofy and dumb, but but they do actually genuinely have some weight to." Oh, that reminds something I meant to mention about this movie. Sorry to, to just steamroll this here. They, oh, dude, I don't care. This is. This is beca- this is because they just were wearing masks, but when they talk, their mouths don't move. Yeah, and also that I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is a practical effect side effect, but I liked it that that happened. Like their faces cool. would move, their faces yeah. would move like someone's mouth is talking behind them. Which yeah, obviously is like again, that's something that I that's one of my favorite things is when the like that's what something I love too about like suitmation and kaiju and stuff is when like the la- like. When because portraying a monster isn't perfect, it bas- it will lead to some really interesting stuff. Just in the the way that like the quirks of like a rubber suit or a mask or makeup or like certain like like, like Sibozu, how Sibozu just is like pure black inside and he's exactly to re- represent yeah. Negative I space, think that but it's, yeah. I think that like restrictions can can create some of the the bet like most creative stuff is when you have to work around something or when something is not as you expected. It can really like. Jump it can, out work in and your, be cool. it can work in your favor. I, I wonder Definitely. if when and when when filming that, you know, when they were, you know, going to have the guys talk and they're like, okay, well, we can't see their mouths move. If there was a discussion like this where they were essentially just like, no, let's not try to find a workaround. That like this this actually kind of works, you know? Yeah, because that that is a really creepy thing. Imagine someone talking and their their face is their mouth isn't moving, but it's like a mouth is moving behind their face. That's fucking creepy. Yeah, and also the I don't know I I, I gave them an eight like which is a I think a pretty high rating because of um because I think that the way that they were executed was like so little was given to us, but in a way that I felt. Um, had a ton of character. Like I, I, I thought that the the um the lack of information we were given was intentional enough that it um wasn't just a lack of information. It was a very very methodical uh lack of knowing what's going on with these guys. So I thought they were a perfect little unknown little group of fuckheads. I, I really like definitely them. yeah. All right, twenty eleven ones. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'm going. Four little fuckers out of ten. I'm sorry. Uninspired, generic, and kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I think that I, there's some stuff to like about them, 
and I respect I, I there's some cool concept art of them too that I think is cooler than what we ended up with but you know not not doing a lot for me in any direction really I am going to um I'm I'm going to give them three kai's wanting to smash innumerable <laughs> numbers of them I like that you're going with <laughs> abstract <laughs> yeah I'm getting weird with it I guess Plurals, yeah. but um I'm yeah I I'm going to give them 3 out of 10 uh I didn't like them uh the movie was bad, but I, I didn't like the monsters. I think that you could have replaced them easily with, like, rats. Mm-hmm. And it would have been more effective if they were actually just rats. Like, they, yeah. they there was... And, and also, the fact that they, like, wanted teeth, but it wasn't, like, a necessity. Like, they didn't lean into that. Like, it was just, like, kind of mentioned that they like it. Like, they... um, It felt like they were trying to be... Not like they were trying to be, but, like, the, the people who made the movie wanted them to be more than they were by like adding lots of little spooky things but without enough explanation as to why it's happening but not the complete lack of explanation where they're just supposed to be accepted as an unknown like yeah. like they gave them they gave the little girl a coin for the teeth but then they never revisited that really other than you just know that they like teeth if they yeah. had just if they had made made them more mysterious or explained them a little bit more it wouldn't have just felt disjointed but to me it fell in an area where it's like explained enough that it's not mysterious enough to be scary definitely and, do you know what i mean like they fall kind of yeah. in like a, that that area and also I guess I am. It's a little bit of a tough audience situation because I'm 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 comparing them in contrast a little bit to the original, and the fact that they really aren't spiritual beings makes them less scary. And I don't know. They were basically just little rat men. I didn't like them. Yeah, I also have to say, uh, I think both the movie and the monsters kind of commits to me one of the the cardinal sins of of media which is like if you if you make a bunch of references to a bunch of really cool stuff it's gonna make me realize that you're stealing your stuff from that stuff and also that that other stuff is better like (laughs) yeah totally if it if it if i if you had if he hadn't like by name mentioned arthur macon i wouldn't have researched arthur macon and i wouldn't have been like oh this is just he just did arthur macon like this was his i this was arthur macon's idea like and yeah. I'm sorry, but like you know, I know people have gripes with Lovecraft. I still think he he's a, he's a pretty cool writer. But like, come on, an an underground city where they breed human cattle is way cooler than a bunch of mole rat monsters. Um, and if you're gonna like, if you're gonna draw my attention to the fact that you're 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 riffing off that story, like it better be as cool or cooler, or it's gonna totally. it's gonna not be as fun to watch. Um, like yeah, it's unfortunately that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles for me. Uh, that um, definitely kind of h- hinders my enjoyment and makes me not like the monster as much. I also really didn't like. I didn't. I think the scariest scene with the the remake was when they decided to fuck with the housekeeper, and mm-hmm. they were all just kind of mobbing him with little sharp objects. But even that was like whatever i mean i think the scariest scene was the very opening scene when the which has nothing to do with anything when emerson blackwood is like breaking out that woman's teeth with a mm. with a hammer and chisel which literally it happens in the first a minute of the movie it's the first thing 
Yeah, and then and it's only scary because it's someone breaking out someone's teeth, and then that's that's it. Oh, and also, and actually, not, before yeah. you see, before you see, I, if I were to give notes to the if someone would listen to me from the movie people side of this, like I, they shouldn't have, they showed the monster scampering up at the very beginning, like they they left the teeth. He was like, "Please, I want my boy back," and they're like, "Yes, yes, we have your boy, yes." Um, and he left the the maid's teeth and his teeth, um, in in the furnace, and then like the before like the opening credits, it's just like. All of them scampering up really quickly, like ah, like yeah. a, a very cheap beginning jump scare, and they should have not done that and let the tension build as the movie goes. To be fair, if the tension had built as the movie went, and then it was revealed that they were this, I would not have been happy either. Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they sucked. Also, I did. There, there were a few scenes at the beginning where they were kind of just like shrouded in shadow with their eyes flashing yeah. in the dark, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And then immediately they just walked out of the shadow, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> that's another thing where I think if you had never really seen them, they were just like these little shadowy things where you can kind of see their eyes reflecting. That would have been effective, but they're they're like desi- the design of their faces. What like they weren't it's, very interesting looking. It's too mundane. They just look yeah. like they look like animals. They look too much like like exactly a mole rat combined with an insane asylum resident like mm-hmm. it's just that there's no if it that's why i read that thing about like the early concept design is like if some of those that had like wilted wings or looked like deranged or demented or like like you know fit fa- like demented fairies i think that would have been way cooler i think that it's just it's very dull it would have uh, been cool if um they kind of I, had, yeah. had the aspect of like Guillermo del Toro Ferro's fairies from Pan's Labyrinth where they like, they're sort of bug-like and yeah. it, it would have been cool another thing that I think would have been cool is if they had like substantial variance between them definitely um, like a bunch of different types of little freaks as opposed to just like um all the same little guy basically I don't know but yeah. I, I think we should probably wrap this up We've been talking for a minute. Definitely. We spin, Une- we sp- unexpected longest episode ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's spin the wheel of monster. monster. Okay, okay, I'm clicking spin. <laughs> oh? 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 Could it be? No fucking... It's the... One, two, three. Xenomorph. Xenomorph. Who could have guessed this would come up? Yeah, that's crazy. That's that, like I our can't most... believe it. So soon? Jesus. This is going to be really intense And that was the cover. result on the wheel. That was the result on the wheel. We'll have to do a lot of research. All right. <laughs> this will um, be long. Goodbye. Bye.